Jesus said, come just as you are with your hurts, your habits, and your hang-ups, and I will show you just how good and perfect I am. Let's stand together and worship this morning and worship a God who loved us so much that he gave his one and only son.
Let's give it. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we see breakthrough coming by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you. Lord, we thank you for your presence among us today. Good morning. Good morning to those of you that are joining on our online campus. I want to read Psalm 113, beginning in verse 1. It says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you his servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted over the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? The one who sits enthroned on high, who stooped down to look on the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes, with princes of his people. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. The name of the Lord is worthy to be praised today. Amen. Today and every day. Today you might be in this place or you might be watching us online and you are sitting in your chair saying, God, I need a breakthrough today. He is the God who saves and heals and sets free. And whatever breakthrough you need today, he is more than able to accomplish that. Do you believe that this morning? Will you pray with me today? Father, we thank you for the privilege of being in your house. We thank you for the privilege of worshiping you. We thank you for the promises in your word. We thank you that you are worthy to be praised, that you are the mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Lord, we pray that you would settle in our hearts today the fact that you are in control of every situation in our lives. We honor you and we love you. We praise you for this day. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said together, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, CTC family. I'm Maddie. And I'm Caitlin. And we've got this week's news. The COVID-19 pandemic has caused changes in every area of our lives. Unemployment is up, and the approach to job searching has changed dramatically. Our newest life group, called Connection, will meet for the purpose of supporting and learning new ways of looking for a job. The group will meet weekly on Zoom and will be led by Debbie Smith. Topics to be discussed will include resume writing, personal branding, and LinkedIn interviewing. To find out more information or to sign up for the group, contact Debbie Smith at the info on the screen. Supporting missionaries and ministries outside of the walls of our church has always been a big part of who we are at CTC. We currently have 15 ministries that we support on a monthly basis, plus numerous others on a one-time or periodic basis. Many of you know Matt Ayers and his family. Matt has spent the last 13 years as president of Emmaus University in Haiti. Recently, the Ayers have relocated to Bridgeland, Mississippi, where Matt now serves as president of Wesley Biblical Seminary. For more info on Matt, his family, or his new role, go to wbs.edu. The pastoral and support staff of Christ the Cornerstone has a passion to serve God and the people of CTC. We are always striving to improve in our mission and to do a better job serving God and its congregation. With that in mind, beginning August 3rd, we will be changing the day the office is closed from Tuesday to Monday. This gives our staff a day of rest and helps us set up a consistent work week schedule. For more information on these and other events, 
visit our website at ctcde.net or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, you can call the church office at 302-836-2862 or text us at 888-344-1022. You can also email your request to prayer at ctcde.net. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. God bless and have a great week.
God will stand unshakable. I said it again and again. Our God will stand unshakable. Because your name is higher. Your name is greater. Pleasing to God when brethren come together in unity. Psalm 133. God loves to see us like this. Let's take everything, whatever is on our heart, let's take it to the Lord in prayer right now. Amen. Just add on to what I say. Whatever it is that's on your heart in your life, and the Lord will hear our combined prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for the privilege the honor to be here in the house of God once again in your manifest presence. Your word tells us, dear God, in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are blessings forevermore and you will show us the pathways of life. So thank you, Holy Spirit. Welcome not only into this church but into our hearts, into our homes. Lead us, guide us. Lord, we just ask that you just show us what you would want us to do in this life and in this world, and we will do it with your help. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to lift up the name today of Jesus. And as an example of what he can do in one's life, we have the Thompsons here today, 57 years married today, and they're here in the house of God to lift up the name of Jesus. They said, if it had not been for the Lord... Right, Roger? Carolyn? It might not have been. That's what God can do in the lives of brothers and sisters when we turn it over to him. So, Lord, we turn it all over to you today. Take this mess, take this clay, and mold it into what you would have us to be. For you are the potter. We are merely the clay. We are your workmanship. Have thine own way, dear God. And Father, had thy own way with Pastor Roger as he brings the word of God today. I heard the message last night. I, I love this, the scripture that he brought forth. Lord, may everybody be blessed by the word of God and by the man of God. This Sunday morning, this we ask in Jesus' most wonderful and holy name. Amen and amen. because even adults judge others. Yeah, even adults have, you know, the first impression and you feel like you have to make the right first impression or something and people kind of base their opinion of you based off of that even though they're getting very small amount of information from that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I've definitely been in situations where people are judging and they don't, they don't even know me or they don't even know that person. And they, you know, they treat them like they have the whole situation figured out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in, in life, I guess we always have to deal with somebody else's judgment or opinion of us and just know our own identity and, you know, be secure in that. Be secure in
with Miss Tony, our ministry director. And we're in front of this banner that says POW because this is, we want to talk about our um, backyard VBS. Backyard VBS. You got to yes. talk louder than that. You gotta, <laughs> backyard VBS. Yeah, backyard VBS. You know, I learned this week, you know, Pastor Daniel is over here today, and I learned this week that he was invited as a young boy to a uh, vacation Bible school. Probably not. That's better. Now they can hear me online. Everybody can hear me. Woo! Yeah, I got caught up visiting with people out in the out in the mall area, so we missed we missed doing this earlier. So I apologize for that. And uh, so anyway, Pastor Daniel was was um, invited to a backyard VBS when he was a young boy, and during that time, he was given the invitation to accept Jesus into his heart, and he said yes. Is that right, Dan? That's what I heard. Please say yes. <laughs> But this can be a powerful experience, and I know normally we're used to we're, we are used to uh, having our family vacation Bible school. Everybody comes here, and and uh, we have supper together on Wednesday nights, and we have programs for every age. And obviously, we can't do that this year. But Tony Tony has come up with a great plan for having for inviting for you having the opportunity to invite some friends of your children or friends of the family uh, at, to your home uh, just. I don't know, six to eight, however many kids you, you want, up to probably ten. We don't want any more than that in the, in the groups. And so every, if you, it starts uh, in a couple of weeks. Yes. And if mm-hmm. you're willing to, to do that. Say that again. July 29th. July 29th. That's, yes. that's the week that we want you to start doing this. And if you're willing to gather a group of people, uh, kids in your home with your own kids, or maybe you want to combine with uh, another family in your neighborhood and say, let's, let's provide this for kids in our neighborhood. This is what you'll do. You'll register. You'll go to our website, register your, your group onto the uh, website, and every week Tony will make sure that you get one of these boxes. Yeah. And it has everything that in it that you need to, to do a backyard VBS. Instructions. Instructions with lesson with plans. With each lesson every for, week. Yep. Socially distancing. That's right. Every we week. got that, that stuff. And you're going to get a craft okay. to do. Yep. And this, this the first week craft is a prayer journal. Each child is going to make a prayer journal. And they can decorate it how they want. And then they can bring it back each week or each, each time when you gather together. See, that's along just with fun the, <laughs> and along with a nice bag to keep all their snacks or um, information in. And, of course, more social distancing, safety things, so masks and, and neck gaiters. And, of course, we can't forget the snack that we're going to provide in yes. it. So it's a Even great opportunity. Even the snack Even is the available. Snack. So, uh, and, and all the supplies that you need, markers and, and whatever. Yes. And so it will be a good time. So think about gathering some children in your neighborhood, in your backyard, some friends, whatever. And, and Tony will make sure you get this. And this is a way we can connect with families, encourage people in their faith, and spread the good news of Jesus Christ together. The theme is VBS Superheroes of Faith. Pow! Pat, pray, <laughs> obey, and worship. All right, all right, good. So, also remember that um, that, that as we you, you, an invitation to be generous and to give. And so you know, if you're in the room today. 
Uh, there are envelopes uh, for giving out on the table, and uh, you can fill those out on your way out, put your offering in it, and there's a basket for you to place that uh, contribution into there, your tithes and your offerings. If you're online, or even if you're in the room, you can still give online, and so we encourage you to do that. Um, go to ctcde.net forward slash give, and there are lots of ways that you can give. That's part of our, part of our faith experience in giving back to God and trusting God and uh, giving, being generous, makes God happy, and it reminds us that God is taking care of us and that we're trusting Him. So thank you for that. Um, I messed it up. We're going to go right into the right into yeah. the message now. Tell Tony, I'm going to let you clean up my mess. <laughs> I'm a nice you pick guy. Up some of it. Let's do it together. Okay. That's how you do things. <laughs> a mess. Anyway, all righty. Thank you. Thank you. Now. Transition, transition to the message. We got it. Have you ever felt judged by someone? Absolutely. Have you ever judged somebody? <laughs> I have. We all have judged others. The question that we are asking this week in this theme, asking for a friend. Here's, here's the question. Why are so many people judgmental. Why do we get that way in our world? And I've added a a secondary question to that. Why are so many people judgmental and how do I stop? How do I stop other people being judgmental? But more importantly, how do I stop being judgmental of others? Um, I learned, you know, I I had a great mother and father. Uh, Both of them have passed away uh, they're both Christians. They're with God now. And, uh, but I recognize the places in, in my mother's life when she was judgmental. Well, what a horrible thing for me to say. How, how judgmental of me to say that. And then I realized, well, how, well I, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I'm probably judgmental myself. So that was the question. Why are people so judgmental and how do we stop it? The short answer is, We're judgmental because we're not following God's teaching for us. It's kind of the answer that we gave last week. We are selfish. And how do we stop it? We stop it by following Jesus. We do what Jesus tells us to do. Our selfishness causes us to think that others are supposed to be just like me. I mean, that's natural. I grew up a certain way in my life, and, and, and my life is either good or bad, and your life is probably the same as mine. That's just a natural human experience until we gain more experience and we realize, no, there are a lot of different experiences uh, and ways of living this human life. But until we make that realization, we tend to think that other people's lives are just like mine. And we tend to think that if people would do the things that I do, life would be perfect and life would be wonderful. That's just a a natural human inclination. I remember uh, when I was in seminary in Kentucky, there was a a gentleman that worked for the seminary. He was a carpenter, and I was on the paint crew uh, earning some money for the family while we did that. And so um, his name was Bobby Peel, and he was tall. He didn't have a lick of hair on his head. And he was skinnier than a rail. And, and he was thin. And he'd 
you'd ask him a question and he'd start rubbing his chin like this very thoughtfully. And I remember one day I asked him, hey, Bobby, how come people in Kentucky don't use their turn signals when they're driving down the road? You had to think about that one for a while. And he said, well, I reckon everybody knows where I live. (laughs) That's a good answer. I like that answer. But again, he was making an assumption. He was making a judgment about other people that everybody knows where I live. Why do I need to use my turn signal? Another saying that he had is he would say now and then, he'd say, you know, people who think they know everything are really annoying to those of us who do. (laughs) I like that one, too. That's pretty judgmental, isn't it? We just naturally expect everything to be the way we expect it to be, life to be. Your life is like my life, and you've had the same experiences that I've had. And it's just, it's a a natural human tendency, but it leads us to judgmental, being judgmental of others. Jesus said in Matthew uh, chapter 7, verse 2, he said, Judge not unless, lest you be judged. I think that's the, the old King James way of saying it. And many people interpret that to say, well, we're not supposed to judge others at all. Don't judge. But that's not exactly what Jesus is saying. Jesus is confronting the hypocrites. He's confronting the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders who were expecting people to obey the laws of God, but they did not expect themselves to it. He was was determining their hypocrisy. And Jesus had some terms for those people, and they're not very nice terms. And so Jesus, Jesus was even judging them. He called some of those, he, he called some people dogs and pigs for mistreating things that are holy. And he labeled other people false teachers. Those are all judgments that Jesus made against people. And it's clear that Jesus judged others. However, he always judged people righteously and he judged them correctly. But Jesus was never judgmental. Jesus, in speaking in Matthew chapter 7, against an attitude of arrogant and self-righteous judgmentalism. He says it's foolish to criticize the splinter in your brother's eye when you have a beam of wood sticking out your own eye. He says we are using a standard against another that we do not meet ourselves and we certainly don't want other people to apply it to us. We're being judgmental when we become more sensitive to the wrongs of others when we are to our own wrongs. How then can those of us who have been redeemed, those of us who have faith in Christ, from all of our sins, by Jesus' own forgiveness, how can we make judgments correctly instead of being judgmental? There are ten principles that I'm going to go through, and I'm going to go through fairly quickly, and uh, I forgot my, my phone this morning. But if you're online or if you've got your phone, I encourage you to go to, go to Uversion and open up the events in Uversion. If you, if you have that app on your phone, uh, go to Uversion and uh, uh, find Christ the Cornerstone, and you'll see notes for, for this message and uh, you'll see all the scriptures and all the points. But if you're here and you want to write down all ten of these, we'll have them up on the screen, but you'll have to write kind of quick because we're going to go through these things fairly quickly. 
these are principles to avoid being judgmental. And the first principle is this. Check your own motives. Check your motives. Ask yourself, why am I thinking this thought? Have I checked my own heart knowing that ultimately only God knows the motives and the intentions of anyone's hearts? And it's not our job to determine somebody else's motives. Only God knows their true motives. And we need to back off at that point. We look at a couple of scriptures uh, to, to support this idea. And this first one comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 5. And it says, as for me, Paul is writing this, says, as for me, very, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any other human authority. I don't trust even my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear. But that doesn't prove that I'm right. Well, that's a powerful statement. Just because we feel at peace about a decision or a thought that we made, that doesn't make us right. (laughs) There's another judge. There's another standard for living. And I can say this is right, this is good to do, but if God says it's not right or good to do, it doesn't matter what I think about it. It's what God thinks about it. It is the Lord Himself who will examine me and decide. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time. That is, before the Lord returns. So God is going to come and God is going to judge us all. For He will bring our darkest secrets to light. This is a frightening verse. He will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. We think we've got things hidden. We think that we're doing things on the sly. We think that we're getting away with things. We're not. We will have to make an account for everything that we do, everything that we decide. And then God will give each, will give to each whatever praise is due. God is looking at us. There's another a proverb, another scripture, 16, a Proverbs 16, verse 2 says, People may be pure in, the, in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. So be careful. The second principle is examine your own walk with the Lord. Do you even have a walk with the Lord? Or are you just trying to live life your your own way? You don't care what other people, uh, uh, what God says. And, And you don't have a walk with the Lord. But you need to know this, that God still will judge you. You're not exempt from, from being, and I know that that may sound judgmental and it might be arrogant of me, but it's what, it's what Scripture teaches us. It's what others have told to us. And I believe them, and I believe it, and I believe, and I experience God in my life, and what God says is true. We all will have a reckoning of our lives. So second principle says, examine your own walk with the Lord. Ask, ask yourself, am I walking in the Spirit of God? characterized by a gentle spirit that is careful to monitor my own sin? Am I sensitive to the sin of others, but I'm desensitive to to my own sin? In other words, it's so easy for me to pick out somebody else's faults, and I just walk right over mine as if they don't exist. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2 says, Dear brothers and sisters, if one believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share 
each other's burdens, and in this way obey the law of Christ. That's a powerful verse. Share each other's burdens. When I do something wrong when I, when, and, and, and it's harmful to others, I'm causing harm to come onto them. And Jesus is saying in this that you've got, we've got to help one another overcome each other's faults. Share them with each other. Help others do this. Share each other's burdens. Examine your own walk with the Lord. This is really describing what it means to be humble. We're really talking about humility. But these are ten principles about practicing humility. Third principle. Before acting, seek the wisdom of God's Word and godly counsel. God has given us His Word and His Spirit-filled people to give us discernment. However, be careful that you don't let the search for godly counsel become an excuse to gossip. Proverbs chapter 10, verses 13 and 14 say, Wise words come from the lips of people with understanding. But those lacking sense will be beaten with the rod. That's a harsh verse. The next verse says, Wise people treasure knowledge, but the babbling of fools invites disaster. And Proverbs 15:22 says, Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Every time I hear that, I think of Abraham Lincoln or what we learn about Abraham Lincoln and his cabinet. And I'm sure every president since Abraham Lincoln has, has practiced this to some degree. But they have, they have not gathered people in, or in, their, in the presidential cabinet uh, who all agree with the president. We can't have that. We've got to have disagreement. We've got to have people bringing different gifts and different abilities to this, to this table. Because plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. So the third principle was before acting, seek the wisdom of God's word and godly counsel. That's why here at Christ the Cornerstone, we emphasize scripture, certainly. Go to God's word in what, in what you're doing. And also, go to one another. Go to people you trust. Form relationships with people and build trust upon it so that when you need godly counsel, you know who to go to. And it doesn't have to be just the pastor. And, it, and because as the church was beginning in the early days, there were no pastors. There were just Christians. There were just followers of Jesus. And it wasn't long before some organization developed and and. And there was some began some hierarchy, but we can trust one another, and we need to trust one another. And that's why we emphasize getting together in small groups at Christ the Cornerstone, because this is how we grow and how we seek wisdom and godly counsel. The fourth principle says practice the golden rule. Think about how you would want to be treated if you were on the receiving end of correction. Think about how you would want someone to pray for, to love, and to be kind or merciful to you. I remember many years ago when I was just out of college and I was starting in ministry, I had the responsibility of leading the youth ministry in a large church. And we had 60 to 80 uh, teenagers gathering in, the, in our program every week. And I had, had about 20 or so volunteer 
uh, adult volunteers in that program. And I had a lot of responsibility. And I made some mistakes. And, and there were times when, when the pastor was very supportive of me through those mistakes. And then there was one time when I, when I made a mistake and he, and he and the associate pastor sat in my office and said to me, he said to me these words, Roger, we all do dumb things. And there are dumb things and then there are dumb things. And that was a dumb thing to do. <laughs> but he didn't fire me. He stuck with me. And I, and I loved starting my ministry. Being my, my first job out of college was in that environment where, where my boss saw in me that I could do better. And he didn't just release me, but he said, let's do better next time. What a great lesson that was for me. He practiced the golden rule. And now I think about that. Now that I'm, I'm the boss and I'm holding staff uh, accountable to things, I want to give people that opportunity, and I need to think, how would I want others to treat me in this? So Matthew 7 says, that's the golden rule. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. And the fifth principle is avoid snap decisions or quick judgments. Take time to get the facts and to listen before taking action. Proverbs 18.13 says, Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. I think we, we saw an example of that in, in the news even. So we, we trust our news journalists to do their work, to, to tell us accurate information, right? We, we, we expect that from them. At least I hope we do. And we learn at times that, that they have poor information or wrong information. But I think the big story, this, one of the big stories this week was the statement by Don Lemon who said that Jesus admittedly was not perfect. But what, what do you mean Jesus was admittedly not perfect? Where in the Bible does it say that Jesus said himself that he is not perfect? Where does Don Lemon come across getting that kind of information. So Don Lemon uh, may have made a snap decision before he researched properly who Jesus is and what Jesus said. If you're going to quote somebody, you might want to listen to that person, right? (laughs) Don Lemon, how much time have you spent listening to Jesus? Boy, that's a harsh, harsh word. (laughs) Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. The sixth principle. Pray for the person who appears to be caught in sin before correcting them. Go to prayer. Don't attempt to give correction to somebody without God being with you in that presence. Prayer is a necessary starting point. We ourselves are not the Holy Spirit. Only God's Spirit has the power to convict and change someone else. And if we're going to, uh, to bring change to, even to other brothers and sisters and even to others outside the world, they don't, nobody likes, whether they're a believer or not, they don't like to be corrected. And what a, what a great testimony it is for our own faithfulness that when we, when we criticize or when we recognize something's not right in this world, that we do it with God's love to whomever it is. 
whether they're outside the church or inside the church. So Christians go to, you know, and, and, and have you listened to, to waiters, wait staff on Sundays talk about how they get treated on Sundays by Christians who they know they just came to the restaurant right after church? Have you ever heard a waiter complain about the little tip that they get? I remember we, Carolyn and I went into a restaurant after church one day and uh, we were, we were, I had moved from one church, but it wasn't far away. And we happened to go to lunch at a restaurant that a large group of people from my former church had, had come there also. So we were there with some friends from, from the church that I was currently pastoring. But here was this big table of people uh, from my former church. And, and they were not being nice at all to the wait staff at that restaurant. And the, the, they, they left just, we actually met them in the uh, parking lot. But I knew how that group of people treated others in restaurants. They were harsh. They were, they were coarse in their language. They were abrupt in ordering things and expected it right now and expected everything to be right, even in the busyness of a restaurant. And so we went into the restaurant, we had a smaller group, and we went in there, and the waitress that came to our table was absolutely frazzled. And we could tell that she'd been having a bad day. (laughs) And we ministered to her a little bit and got to know her and helped her to calm down because she was obviously nervous. And and, uh, we just said to her, I said, how's your day going? She says, I'm not having a good day. And I just made a, and this was very judgmental of me, and I confess it. (laughs) I said, yeah, I know those people that were at your table last, at your last table, and I'm sorry. <laughs> and she said, oh, you do? And was kind of confirming that, hey, Christians, it doesn't matter who we're dealing with. Jesus is teaching us to be courteous and kind and loving. And when we have to give correction to others, do it with God's love. Pray for the one who appears to be caught in sin before correcting them. Number seven says, remember how Jesus treated people who sin. He loves them, he helps them, and he does not condemn them. He changes them with his power. He doesn't give us the power to change them. He changes them with his power. We go to John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, which says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives one day, but early in the, the next morning... He was back again at the temple and a crowd soon gathered and Jesus sat down and Jesus taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery and they put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Now, it's clear to me, well, the verse, next verse says, they were trying to trap Jesus into saying something they could use against him. Did they care at all about correcting this woman who was caught in adultery? Was that their motive? Not a bit. All they cared about was trapping Jesus in something that they could use against him. They didn't care about this woman, but she once again was being used and abused by somebody else. 
And Jesus saw right through it. He said they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. And so Jesus stood up again and said, all right, let me pause there and say, do you think that what, what is Jesus doing writing in the sand? There are lots of scholars who have who have speculated as to what Jesus was doing in this story. But if we look at our principles, one of them was don't make quick judgments. Maybe Jesus was giving himself time to think. So Jesus is modeling his own teaching. Good for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for modeling for us. Jesus is giving himself some time. He's also giving some time for the others to think about what's going on in this. But they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and he continued to write in the dust. Now when, his acu- when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one. Who starts slipping away? The oldest. I think that's amazing. It takes time for us to get what Jesus is trying to tell us. And thank God for our ability to mature and to think. And notice that it's the youngest of the ones that don't understand what Jesus is doing first. It's the oldest ones. Until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Well, where'd the crowd go? <laughs> That's what Jesus said. He stood up and, and again said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Then go and sin no more. We get to number eight. Speak the truth, but do it in love. With love, you've got to speak the truth. When the time is right and with humility, having prayed and being led by the Holy Spirit, it's time to talk. Speak the truth. Nothing but the truth. There's a time when we need to speak against false teaching. And there's a time when we as a church need to exercise discipline among us. There's a time for exercising discipline among our families. Preacher Charles Spurden says, After we... After we ourselves are made pure and holy or sanctified. After that, we are bound to be eyes to the blind and correctors of unholy living. Jesus says, be holy as I am holy. But we are not bound to do that until we ourselves are made pure or until we ourselves are sanctified. And when the time comes to speak, we need to speak. Our goal should be to do so with the love of Christ, not with self-exalting pride. Matthew 18:15 through 20 says, If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. And if, another per- and if the other person listens and confesses it, then you've won that person back. But if you are not successful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. And if the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, 
Treat that person as a pagan or corrupt tax collector. I tell you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this. If two, or, if, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Principle number nine says, remember that some things are right and some things are wrong. But some things are just different. And just because it's different doesn't make it wrong. And we need to give latitude with that. We need to be merciful and gracious to those kinds of differences. Be careful not to confuse what is moral with what is simply a cultural or a personality difference. Romans chapter 14 says, Accept other believers who are weak in the faith. Don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Don't argue with other believers. Now we're talking about people who have faith in Christ, people in the church. Don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one believer believes it's right, one person believes it's right to eat all kinds of things. Anything. But another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them also. And in the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. And those who worship the Lord on a special day, do it to honor Him. Those who eat any kind of food, do so to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating it. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please God and give thanks to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. And finally, the tenth principle. You will give an account to God one day. Ultimately, God judges everyone. And when we judge others, we put ourselves in God's seat. Oops. (laughs) When we judge others, we bump God out of His chair. And we place ourselves in it. I often hear people say, Stay in your lane. Or when I'm driving down I-95 or up 95 to the Ellesmere campus and I see, I get on the highway and I see somebody swerving or going in this lane, I'll say, I'll back off and I'll say, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. We know what that means. God's saying to us, stay in your lane. Let me stay in my lane. We'd be careful not to put ourselves in the place of God. Again, Romans 14 says, for we don't, Live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose. To be the Lord both of the living and the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember 
we all will stand before the judgment seat of God. For the Scripture says, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to, to me, and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account. So stop condemning each other and decide to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 also says, For we all must stand before, God, before Christ to be judged. We will receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Jesus traveled through the towns and the villages. And in, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says that he healed every kind of sickness and disease. Judgmentalism is one of those sicknesses and diseases of the spirit that Jesus wants to get out of our lives. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Jesus is calling us who have faith in Christ to help people experience Christ by not being judgmental of others, by being wise in the decisions that we make, by being prayerful in how we confront others about the wrong things that, they're, that we're experiencing. And we could apply this to anything in our world today. Many people are trying to correct other people on the decisions that we're making. But let's be following Christ in the way that we do it, in everything that we do. There's a a theologian from Scotland that said, The heart that has tasted the Lord's grace and forgiveness will always be restrained in its judgment of others. It It has seen itself deserving judgment and condemnation before the Lord. Yet instead of experiencing the Lord's burning anger, he has tasted the Lord's infinite mercy. Have you experienced the Lord's infinite mercy in your own life? Are you being convicted today of having judged others? Or maybe God has brought to your mind this morning somebody that you are far too harsh in treating and judging them invite you to a time of prayer and we if you're here in the room you can come here to the the platform area and kneel and pray i encourage you to wear your mask while you do that and the singers are going to lead us in continuing to worship god and if, if you're at home i encourage you to just pray and talk to god and confess to god any of your own sins that you might have that you might need to confess This is an opportunity for us to be made righteous in God's eyes, to receive His love and His mercy and His kindness so that we can share that with others. We'd love for you to uh, fill out a Connect card. And even if you're here in the room, you can fill out a Connect card on your phone uh, or uh, on the website. Or you can fill out one of the prayer cards, the envelopes that we have, so that others can join you in praying for you. But let's sing. And I invite you to stand as as we sing together. And I invite you to come and pray. Let's pray together.
cannot run away from God. We might think that we can. We might think that we can just get away, but we cannot. God is always pursuing us. I love that phrase, no wall he won't kick down. No lie he won't tear down. Coming after me, coming after you. Thank you for being here today. Let me just give you a blessing before we go. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being with us today. Bless us. Bless those who are at home. Bless those who are here in the room with your grace, with your mercy, with your kindness, with your power, with your Holy Spirit. Go with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day. Mountain, you won't climb up.